Hi guys, welcome to the seventh episode of the Healing Haley Show. If you're here again, thank you for being here and thank you for showing up for yourself. So today we're going to be talking about the fearful avoidant or disorganized attachment. This is the attachment style that I identify with the most. So naturally, I've been avoiding this video. Um, quick disclaimer. I'm not a licensed professional, I'm just a girl who's sharing her story in hopes that it can help a few people along the way. If you are looking for that licensed or professional help, then definitely go seek it elsewhere. But if you want to stay and keep listening, as I said, today we're talking about the third insecure attachment style. So before we get into it, like this video, subscribe, hit all the buttons, drop all the comments. Uh, that stuff really helps me out and I love hearing about what people are going through. So. Uh, reach out anytime. My name is Hayley Foreman. I'm going to be your host. So like I said, let's get into it. Fearful avoidance. This is the third insecure attachment style, as I said. So the previous episodes were about anxious attachment and avoidant attachment. Fearful avoidant attachment is a combination of both of those attachments. So hence the name disorganized, you know, you attach in uh, anxious and avoidant ways all at the same time. In the previous episodes, I spoke about the signs and symptoms of each attachment and I spoke about it in childhood. So definitely go watch those videos if you haven't watched them. If you or anyone in your life exhibits, you know, fearful avoidant tendencies, then, you know, it's really necessary to go watch those videos. It, it's necessary on a whole, but especially if you're uh, watching this video for that reason, then definitely uh, go back and watch those other vi other videos because it will help you to uh, understand this one a bit more. And I'm also not going to go back through those things because I just don't have enough time in these videos because I try to stay around the 35 minute mark and there's quite a lot to talk about in Fairful Avoidance. So let's jump right into it. I'll just do a really quick, a really quick part about how it can present in childhood, but I'm not going to get too deep into that because as I said, it's in the previous videos. So uh, specifically fearful avoidance. You can have a child who is aimless or has no real intention, like kind of just goes with the flow, like with like what everyone else is doing. Um, like kind of lacking that um, self-worth and, and purpose. Or you can have a kid who uh, is really fearful of you or, or fearful of their caregiver um, or is aggressive of their caregiver or uh, sorry aggressive towards their caregiver um, one other thing that I think really uh, signifies fearful avoidance is you know fearful avoidant people don't want to be intimate with anyone and yet they desperately crave that closeness and affection at the same time. So for me as a kid, I felt really unsafe with my parents and I think I kind of had a very watered down, dull version of my personality when I was um, with my parents. And then when I was with friends and then later on in life with partners, like I was much more outgoing and talkative and um, 
just kind of like funny and weird, you know, like like those parts of my personalities would, would show up. So I think that's definitely something to look out for if you find that your kid is really different around you than they are with their friends or they're like more intimate with their friends and you might need to start looking at that and and what that means and why they don't feel as safe being vulnerable with you you know because yes to some degree you know as kids get older maybe in that kind of teenage that teenage phase of life yeah sometimes kids start to you know, they're getting to a point of like wanting that independence from their parents, but that's not what I'm talking about. Like, this is something like a little bit different. And, you know, if this is resonating with you, like you remember feeling this way as a, as a kid, or you even feel that way now where you really prioritize your friendships and your relationships, like above everything else. And not to say that that's a bad thing, but if you find that you are doing that, then you probably need to look back on your childhood and think like, you know, was I like really fearful of my caregiver? Did I feel like unsafe with them? Did I feel like uh, I couldn't really trust them? And and start thinking uh, through those feelings. So now that we kind of skimmed over that really quickly, let's jump into the signs in adulthood because there's quite a few. Um, number one, you sometimes find yourself missing your partner, but when you finally see them, you pick fights so for me I'm definitely guilty of this I um you know before I worked through these things like and before I knew what was happening with me emotionally like this was an issue because I was often in relationships with avoidant people so they weren't expressing themselves after a while like you know when the relationship or the friendship got very close and 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 very uh very intimate or very uh vulnerable then they started to pull away and wouldn't really express how they felt and that can create this dynamic especially with someone who leans anxious so like i said i i have a lot of anxious um tendencies what happens when you're in that space where you feel unsafe because you don't know how the other person feels and that's making you really anxious. Um, you now subconsciously pick a fight because if you pick a fight, then usually you'll get something out of them. You know, like they'll they'll say something um, even to just stop the fight or, or something, you know, like not necessarily a full full on fight, but like an argument, you know, like it will get chaotic in that way because the other person is just like giving you nothing. And a secure person in in that dynamic would have just said, like you're not looking for someone to fill those gaps in you anymore. You know, like now I've gone through this process of, of growth and healing and even though that's a lifelong process, you know, I've gotten to a place where like I can... I can give myself that love that I was searching for in other people. Like I don't, I don't need that from someone else, or I don't think I can find it in someone else. Um, whereas before, I really thought that, like I really had that mindset that you know someone else was going to um, save me and like fill all these these holes or these gaps, you know. But that's not gonna happen, you know. So. Once you get to a place of realizing that and connecting with you yourself and your purpose and your uh, 
just the universal love around you, then you know you you don't you don't feel that anymore. So that is a, a big part of not craving that dynamic anymore. Or I think it's just like of course there can be people who work on their attachment styles without any aspect of spirituality, but I just think it it's it's all tied together. So it definitely uh, enhances your chances of really getting through that attachment and securing your securing your attachment and becoming more mature because uh, you feel really fulfilled and like at peace with that that love within yourself. So. Uh, yeah, like I, I, I was doing this and I was doing it subconsciously and, and I just want to state that really clearly because I wasn't I wasn't conscious of the fact that like this person isn't telling me what I want to hear or need to hear or um, whatever. So I'm going to pick a fight with them so that I can hear something like that's not what's happening in your brain. Like in your brain, you're literally just like not OK, don't feel safe. You're like, what the heck is going on? why won't you tell me how you feel, you know? And usually that person is going through their, their own things, which we'll, we'll talk about as, as time goes on. Um, number two, you often attempt to hide your feelings, but you can't seem to keep them to yourself. You know, you're trying to hide your feelings to avoid seeming clingy or to avoid conflict or to avoid being vulnerable and then what ends up happening is because you're bottling up all those feelings, it just ends up coming out in another way. And usually the way that it comes out is not constructive and, and unhealthy. And then if you had just expressed yourself in a in a calm, like rational, healthy way, you, you wouldn't have appeared clingy to someone or you wouldn't have... Um, you wouldn't have been coming off like what you thought you were going to come off like. But now that you've bottled it up and expressed it in this way, you actually are coming off in that way now. So now that person does think that this is kind of clingy or this is kind of unhealthy behavior. And this is going to kind of segue into... Uh, the next symptom, which is fearful avoidant people often create self-fulfilling prophecies and, and, and often sabotage relationships. And the way that you do that is because, uh, you know, things happen to you as a kid. So let's say, for example, when you expressed yourself that like you just expressing your feelings was met with anger. So now you just do not feel safe to express your feelings. So what you do now is you bring that from your past into your relationship now and you think to yourself, if I tell someone how I really feel, they're going to be angry at me. So I can't tell them how I really feel. And then what ends up happening is, you know, that person's trying to communicate with you and understand what's going on because they've probably picked up on some some signals or some, you know, like reactions or or maybe if you're being passive aggressive or like they've picked up on some kind of cue probably or they've even picked up on the fact that you know you're saying you're fine but everything else really is pointing to the fact that you're not fine and then they try and communicate with you and 
you don't tell them the truth. And then over time, what happens is that creates this anxiety within someone or frustration within someone. And honestly, no matter how secure or mature that person is, it's going to be a natural reaction to be very frustrated by that in a, uh, a friendship or a partnership. And obviously, that frustration or, or anxiety or anger will be released to a more um, like mature degree. But still, you know, those are normal feelings that you have. And, and expressing anger and frustration is okay. And secure people know that. So what's going to happen in that situation now is the secure person or whomever, your partner, is going to express frustration about the fact that you're not communicating. Because that's going to stagnate this, the, the process of, of healing whatever has gone on in your relationship. Now you're going to perceive that frustration as the person being mad at you about you expressing yourself. And now you've just completely projected your feelings into the relationship, created this self-fulfilling prophecy where you're like, ha, see, I knew they were going to get upset. But in reality, they're not upset about, about what you think they're upset about. They're upset because you're not expressing yourself. You're not saying how you feel. And I mean, after a while, that's going to weigh on anyone. You know, so you have to really start like checking yourself and acknowledging these things and wondering like we like am i doing this like am i sitting here thinking that the other person or the other persons because you've probably done it in several relationships like the other people really like get mad at me when i express myself or don't care when i express myself or ignore me or neglect me or guilt me have they really done that you know, and really start being honest with yourself. And then kind of to jump into the next one, you know, you tend to take everything your partner does very personally. So this kind of ties in the same way. Once again, you're projecting your own feelings into um, someone else's feelings. So imagine you're in a, a dynamic where you're with your friend and you're saying, hey, like what you did really made me feel this way. And I was wondering if we could talk about it. Okay, so I'm not a good enough friend then. Like, and when you're met back with that, when you're met back with someone personalizing things like that, it can just be really destructive to a relationship because the person wasn't trying to say that you're not good enough. They weren't making it about you. They were just saying, hey, this is this is causing this situation in our connection and it's it's not healthy can we work on it can we figure out why it's happening can we move through it but because you've you've personalized it personalized it so much you know now you know the next time that person needs to speak to you they're gonna have this feeling of like i can't tell the person how i feel because they're just gonna feel guilty and, you know, and then sometimes if, if you're not like a really secure, mature person, like you may end up lying in that situation because you don't like if you <laughs> express yourself and you know that 
you're going to express yourself to someone and that's going to make the other person feel bad or feel guilty, you're not going to be expressing yourself anymore. And what's really ironic is I was in a relationship with someone who did this and they specifically felt that way as a kid, that their parent did that to them. That if they expressed themselves, that they felt that their parent made them feel guilty about it. I'm like, you're doing the same thing. You know, and it's just not quite in the same way. It's this kind of like indirect roundabout way. But you have to get really real with yourself about the fact that that's still what you're doing though. You know, it can be really hard to look at yourself and identify all of these flaws and it like reveals some unflattering things about yourself. You know, but you're a person just like anyone else. Once again... These things happen to you as a kid. You didn't ask for them. And, you know, this is a hand you were dealt. So you just make do. You know, it's it's totally fine to acknowledge the feelings. But you also have to move through them and start doing better. Because really and truly, if you, if you really identify with the fact that you're so upset about the fact that this happened to you as a kid. Or you went through this as a kid. That should mean that you never want it to happen to anyone else. You never want to continue projecting that into other um, connections and relationships. So if you're sitting here like playing the victim about what has happened to you, just make sure you're also changing your life because those two things can't exist at once. And they, you know, people often are in that stage of like, oh, boohoo, poor me. And you you guys, have, if you've been watching these episodes, you know that I... I think it's, it's really hard to acknowledge these things and it's really hard to move through those feelings. And I think all of your feelings around situations in your childhood are valid. But I just think at the end of the day, you have to say, okay, this is what happened didn't ask for it I had no control over it happening happening to me I have compassion and understanding towards those people and now I'm gonna stop doing that and that's that's literally it like there's nothing more you know if you're extra sad some days or extra angry some days like that's okay it's okay but it's not okay to just like sit there and sit in those feelings like you have to continually keep moving through those feelings and if things come up you move through them and that's it so let's jump into the next one you have no idea how to get your needs met you might not even really understand what your needs are until they are overwhelming so for me I could not identify the fact that you know being in dynamics that were causing me like a lot of emotional pain were causing me to also engage in um, unhealthy, like compulsive behaviors. So, you know, I'll get into that at, at, at a later point. Uh, I don't really like to call it addiction because I just think the word addiction is uh, really misleading. But, you know, I like dove deep into stuff. because I could not confront that emotional pain. And for me personally, I didn't really know that it existed. 
like I was just kind of like I thought I was completely okay you know and I really like wasn't okay and you know finally confronting that and working through that has been a relief like it's been hard and it's been really difficult but it ultimately like it's been great and it's been it's been a it's been a relief but um the journey itself is it it can be tough but as i said i had no real understanding of like having my needs met because you know growing up in a situation where i had to constantly meet other people's needs um to feel safe like i had to constantly feel like is my mom okay like how can i make this situation okay for her because i need her to be okay because if she's not okay how am i going to be okay you know and like subconsciously that's happening so you know i would just have times where my mom would come home from work and she wasn't really very talkative she just kind of walked into the house and then she was sighing a lot and like slamming cupboard doors and she even at one point like put this magnet on the fridge that said uh, no one notices what I do until I don't do it and I remember thinking like haha that's so funny like it's a funny joke and my dad was like oh did you guys see the magnet that your mom put on the fridge and I'm just like thinking back to myself like that is such an immature thing to do number one it's extremely passive aggressive and you know this that is just like a very small way of me showing you what happened in my childhood like never knowing what was going on and being like what like what do you mean no one cares about what you do like You know, like all of a sudden now you're like, oh, like she's angry. Like I I thought that was a joke. Like and now you're like shuffling to try and like figure that out. You know, just because that person won't express how they feel to you. So now you can understand why for me personally being in a space where I don't know how another person feels makes me feel incredibly unsafe. And it makes me like emotional. Like I'm like starting to kind of cry now because thinking about those feelings is difficult like you just go right back to you know being in those spaces and even though you know no one's doing these things on purpose like my mom wasn't doing these things on purpose like she was in her own emotional pain you know other people in my life were in their own emotional pain like I'm never blaming another person And I think it's absolutely okay that other people are going through these things. Um, You just have to work on it. Like, you just have to literally start working on it. That's that's all. Um, But, you know, it does affect other people. So, I've done things that have affected other people and really hurt other people. So, you know, it, it goes around. Like, you're not alone in it. Like, other people have hurt you, I'm sure. And you've hurt other people, I'm sure. You know, like, that is... A very normal thing that we just all have to start acknowledging and like moving through so that we can all stop um but anyway like i said i was constantly like shifting and changing to meet 
her needs because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to make it okay. Um, so now being in situations where I feel that pain again, I'm trying to meet other people's needs, but I'm not recognizing that my own aren't being met and I'm in this like severe emotional pain. That seemed really safe to me. That seemed really, or it just seemed really comfortable to me. Like it didn't seem like it was this thing that was wrong, even though everything outside of me was like showing me, Haley, something is wrong. I still couldn't feel it within myself. Like I still didn't have that awareness because I was so disconnected from my own needs. So like, this is why fearful avoidance is the worst attachment style. It's the hardest one to go through because it's usually rooted in trauma. You know, and trauma doesn't have to be this like specific event. Like it can be tons of microaggressions over time. It can also be specific events. Like it can also be like abuse or like watching your caregiver abuse someone else or, you know, like uh, an actual traumatic event like grief or, uh, you know, physical or mental or verbal abuse for sure. It can, it can be all of those things too. But you know, when I was in these spaces again of kind of feeling that same way I felt as a kid, now I'm like running to these compulsive behaviors or, you know, burying my feelings in food and like food really filling that gap of like loneliness in me. And for fearful avoidant people, like you, you tend to, uh, struggle with addiction or compulsive behaviors that that's like a pretty normal thing um for this reason and that's why I'm like sticking here for so long because I really want you know people to understand that usually it's rooted in this the fact that you do not know what your needs are so you can't meet them so you're constantly getting yourself into situations where you are actually not okay and it's very hard for you to recognize that you're not okay because you don't know what being okay even means. Like you're only worried about other people being okay. You're not really worried about yourself. So uh, just be really careful about that. Be really careful about um, uh, recognizing those situations. And trying to really ask yourself, like, is everything in my life uh, going the way I want it to? And what are the areas where it's not going the way I want it to? Or, like, for me specifically, when I was in relationships that, you know, were getting to that point of the other person wasn't talking to me, the other person wasn't sharing how they felt, and then I was feeling this feeling again of, like, I don't know how you feel, and had, sorry, and that's making me feel unsafe then like you have to start recognizing what's happening at that point and for me it was multiple relationships that that happened and I can look back at at when that started happening and when I started gaining weight or when I started like having other like addictive behaviors in my life and as soon as I'm out of the relationship, I don't have it at all. And now I've gotten to another place where, like I said, I've done this healing um, 
and and growth work and really processed it all so I won't get back into that situation again um, because I've really worked through it, you know. But before, it's like you would you'd be in that situation and when you were out of it, you would think, oh, it was just that situation. But it, it wasn't. Like you are also being attracted to those situations to show you aspects of yourself that need more love. So you now you have to start looking at your life in that way of like, is are things blowing up in my life at at this point or that stage or that stage and start looking at like what is it showing me because usually it's, it's directing you back towards that love and if you can uh truly like trust that and believe that you you will find your way so uh you know we've spoken about a lot of those uh, signs in adulthood now let's start talking about the five types of fearful avoidant because I, I well I think I did um, said that there are also types of fearful avoidant so there's a volatile fearful avoidant which means that you know usually a volatile fearful avoidant has been through a lot of trauma they tend to be very critical. They threaten relationships a lot. They're angry and aggressive. And honestly, that was me in in those spaces that, that I was telling you about, where I was like in a lot of emotional pain, like I was that way. So, you know, it wasn't easy to be with me at that point. And I really understand that. Like I, I do for, for, you know, the people that I dated. I can, I, you know, even though the dynamic of the relationship was really causing this to to surface um still like uh, it can't be easy to be with someone who's like existing in this state and for a long time I was like really in that like state of survival um and acting this way to to protect myself or like I thought I was protecting myself you can have an internal fearful avoidant who is the same as a, a volatile avoidant except they're much better at suppressing uh, their expressions. And that usually comes from the fact that anger wasn't okay to be expressed as a child. So they still feel all these feelings. They still feel all this um, rage and and uh, like very kind of chaotic feelings, but it's all under the surface. So we kind of we kind of spoke about that a little bit before about being in a situation where um, you know expressing anger isn't okay, and that can be really destructive. So the third one is a control oriented fearful avoidant. So these people tend to be very high achieving. Um, you feel you feel control until you until you're in a relationship, and then you feel out of control, and you're always trying to attain this like high level of perfectionism and it's usually because mistakes make you feel unsafe so you were uh, in a household where you know your importance was very much based on your success and like doing the right thing is like very um it's it's like a very uh prominent thing in your family dynamic like oh these types of people are wrong or this behavior is wrong and this is right 
um, yeah, that kind of that kind of uh, dynamic between parents and children can be uh, really destructive for children because uh, you, you you develop this arrogance and you don't have compassion towards other people because mo- there's usually no right and wrong. Like it's usually a very in-between. You know, there are some cases where like, yes, some things are just, just flat out wrong, but uh, it's, it's a very small percentage of things. Then we have a fearful avoidant leaning anxious. So these people tend to be overgiving, very open, very present, um, can often be codependent in relationships. Um, you know, they have really good intentions and uh, they're loving and they want to be close, but subconsciously they're also pushing that away once it uh, once they're in that once they're in that situation, they start to like. Uh, not trust it or reject it a little bit and for me I would say that I like mainly identify as a fearful avoidant leaning anxious and then when I'm in that like extreme emotional pain then I start to get into that volatile area but for the most part I was really in this fearful fearful avoidant leaning anxious then you also have the fearful avoidant leaning dismissive so you you lean avoidant um and they can be open and vulnerable at times, but have a very difficult time expressing their needs. You know, they often had to read between the lines as kids. And then now they bring that into their relationships and they kind of expect that the other person is going to read between the lines. And if the other person loves them and cares about them, that they will pick up on their subtle cues or their passive aggression because um, that's what they did as a kid. You know, that's what they had to do because their their caregiver wouldn't uh, wouldn't express themselves. And as you can see, like I kind of had a, li- a little bit of that with my mom, uh, but it, it didn't kind of push me into this avoidance. It more pushed me anxious. Um, yeah, so you have to be really careful if this is you, though, because. Once again, you're like fantasizing relationships and, and building up in, building them up in a way that isn't realistic. Like it's not natural for you to think your your partner uh your partner is gonna be the best partner for you if they can read your mind. Like that's that's pretty much never going to happen. And that's like not really healthy. You know, you want to be in a relationship where you can talk about your feelings and you can you can work through them. Now let's get into how to navigate relationships with fearful avoidant people just want to say really quickly that this isn't an excuse to just like deal with the behavior you guys should always be working towards becoming secure and securing your attachments um you know separately like you should you should both be working towards that number one identify the problem point out their behavior gently um this will validate uh, their feelings of needing to be seen or heard. So that is like really important to a fearful avoidant being seen and heard. So pointing out their behavior, even if you're pointing out bad behavior, like even if you're saying like, hey, you're being kind of critical right now, or hey, you're being kind of passive aggressive. Can we talk about why that is? Like that is going to go a really long way with fearful avoidant people because they're they're going to see that you're actually noticing how your actions are are affecting them. And that's a really important thing. Number two, talk about getting to the root of how they feel. So when you have these conversations, take the time to be like, 
you know, where is this coming from? Why is it that you think you feel this way? Because once again, it's really important for a fearful avoidant person to um, feel deeply understood. Number three, consistency. I mean, this pretty much is for all relationships, like just kind of sticking to your word and, and being consistent is, is going to go a long way, especially though for fearful avoidant people who had a lot of inconsistency in their life as children. Um, check in regularly, you know, even if things are going okay, just check in and, and, and see how someone's doing and keep that kind of emotional intimacy um, a little bit higher than usual. And, you know, do it to the degree to which you feel you feel good because it's also about you. I mean, you're in the relationship too. So once again, you're not just doing this to like meet someone else's needs. It, it You have to feel good about it. And the last thing is physical touch or eye contact. You know, these can be little ways of making the person feel seen and feel connected in the relationship or in the friendship. Um, you know, I guess with friendship, it's maybe not all friendships are, are good with uh, f- like physical touch in that way. But um, whatever you feel is good in your connection, uh, it, just, it can just be it can just be uh, helpful once again to make uh, a fearful avoidant person feel like you you really care and, and, and that's important to to fearful avoidant people so guys we I, I did my best we went through a lot of symptoms we went through the types of fearful avoidance and um, and then we spoke about uh, navigating the relationships and we spoke a little bit about the causes and that you know fearful avoidance is often caused by trauma and abuse and um it's it's one of the more rare attachment styles but if you do identify with it or you think someone does i hope this video helped you i hope you resonate with it in some way if you do uh leave a like leave a comment uh once again subscribe to the channel next week's episode we're going to be talking about the secure attachment and how you can go about securing your insecure attachment so hope to see you guys in the next episode lots of love lots of light see you there